Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 209 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Brian. Brian lives in Brussels, Belgium. And he is a conference interpreter who speaks 12 different languages, which is amazing to me. (laughs) Welcome, Brian. Hi, Jen. I've been looking forward to this for a long time now. Oh, yeah. It's been a long time. Everybody who wants to be on the podcast, I'm like, I'd love to have you. I'm (laughs) scheduling in a year or something. (laughs) So thank you for your patience. I really appreciate that. Um, But, you know, you have more of a story to tell when you have to wait to tell it, right? Yeah, that's true because things have changed, you know. They really have. So, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, it was three and a half years ago that I started intermittent fasting, but I was not entirely new to fasting because I think three occasions I had done longer fasts, but with a kind of like a detox mentality once a year, typically between Christmas and New Year's after possible excesses. Uh, And it's just miserable and suffering. Um, I did it like three times. I think it was probably worth it, but, you know, I don't recommend it. It's, it's just misery. But I started hearing about intermittent fasting online, mostly through YouTube channels, uh, but from two different sources. I'm a guy who I've been working out all my adult life, and a lot of bodybuilders or people who are into you know, sports have been intermittent fasting for years. And I also started hearing about the health benefits. Since I had high blood pressure and some arrhythmia issues, that kind of got my attention, too. But I was hearing all this contradictory information, you know, some people saying you have to do keto first or you have to do fasting and keto. You have to do it every day. 
And that's why uh, the, the title of your book, I think, is what clinched me, saying, delay, don't deny. That just so resonated with me. Because unlike most of the people you interview, I think, I never dieted a day in my life. You know, I never struggled with weight until I reached middle age. I started to okay. slowly, very slowly put on a bit of the belly, even though, and as a kid, I was actually scrawny. I was a skinny kid. Me too. I was a very <laughs> scrawny kid. I was like the one in the picture with all the elbows and knees. And so I get that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Uh, but over the years, you know, with this you know, slow creep of, uh, you know, maybe gaining a pound or two a year, I started to have a bit of a belly. And my cardiologist told me, uh, because I was having these heart issues, you should think about losing some weight. And I thought, when I look at myself in the mirror, I didn't see my gut. You know, you, you, you don't look bad in the mirror. You look bad when somebody takes your picture on vacation, you know. And I thought I had like two or three kilos to lose, uh, maybe, you know, five or six pounds. But uh, he said, no, no, think more like 20, 25 pounds. And I had no idea. So anyway, I started intermittent fasting at first, and I was afraid of the brain fog that people talk about when you first start. And as a conference interpreter, I have to speak while, at the same time as somebody else is speaking, and listen and process and speak. I couldn't afford brain fog, so there was no oh, way no. I, was going to go, I was not going to go to work with brain fog. So for the first six months, I skipped dinner, which is really hard. <laughs> but at least I didn't have that problem in the morning. And uh, I only did it four days a week on top of it. Uh, the weekends to me at the time were sacred. And uh, I, I did that for six months, as I said, and I lost six kilos over the course of those six months. And that wow. was very encouraging. And I didn't even know I had that much to lose, to be honest. Uh, but then one morning I realized in the morning I wasn't really hungry for breakfast, even though I hadn't had dinner the next day. So I went to work but made an emergency Tupperware with a, a snack in case I just couldn't cope. And I never had to use it. And I experienced that mental clarity that everybody talked about at work, which, you know, definitely works for me. And I knew at that stage I didn't have to skip dinner anymore. I could switch to skipping breakfast, which is a lot easier to handle. That was six months in. It took you six, six months. months in, to... Yeah. To notice that. Well, you know, it makes sense if you think about it. You know, you... You were were only doing it four days a week, and yeah, you yeah. were probably like, how long were your fasts at that point? You would just skip dinner. So, what would you say your your fast length was? Probably from like uh, one to eight in the morning. You know, so okay. that's why, yeah, yeah. So you know, a pretty long fast. So that was that was still like a nineteen. Hour, okay, so it was nineteen yeah, hours, yeah. but you were doing it four days a week, right? Yeah, yeah, and I did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that makes sense. So it, it does make sense that it would take longer for your body to really become fat adapted only doing it four days a week, I That's guess. Right, yeah, yeah. Do you still only do it four days a week? No, no, I do it almost every day. Every That's day. what I, I figured. Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Once yeah. you flip that metabolic switch, you feel so much better. Exactly. So yeah. that day when you felt better, you didn't need your snack, you had the mental clarity. And so you would say that after that, just every day you woke up feeling feeling great and then fasted. I don't even think about food anymore in the morning. That's fabulous. About once or twice a week, I allow myself to have a late breakfast or a brunch. Mm -hmm. And I'm, when I'm on vacation as well, you know, I'm not fasting this week. So what? You know, I'll, I'll get back right. to it. <laughs> and in the end, I lost the total. Well, the... Uh, after another six months of skipping breakfast, uh, after the first six kilos I lost, I lost another four kilos, which makes about 25 pounds in the course of a year. That's great. And that's how much your cardiologist said to lose, right? Yeah, that's right. And I thought that was my set point. Everybody said, oh, you look great. I felt great. It was really a new life on me. And then this COVID thing hit. And I, there was initially some creep because, you know, my wife and I were sitting on the couch and I was a bit stressed out about work and stuff. But I, I decided to become more reactive and I started to, I couldn't go to the gym, but I, I saw people in the parks when we were on our long walks uh, working out with these elastic bands and doing bodyweight exercises in groups. And I decided to do that too. And uh, I really, really nerded out on exercise and I increasingly did an OMAD, a one meal a day thing okay. during that. 
And over the course of the first year, year and a half, I lost another 10 kilos. Wow. <laughs> another 20. <laughs> but that's because I was walking like two hours a day or riding my bike two hours a day. I, I can't keep that up now that oh, things are more or less back to normal because there was nothing else to do. You know, that, that was the only activity that we were allowed to do was to go walking or, you know, do sports in the parks outdoors. But I did it. And so now uh, I even went down a total of I lost 25 kilos, but that was a bit too much. I think I'm okay. at my, I'm now down 20 kilos, which is what, 45 pounds more or less. And it feels right. Yeah. So you, you went down a little lower than you feel like your body should be. And yeah. then did you just like extend your window a little bit to get back or yeah. did it just naturally drift back to what felt better? Yeah. Well, I, I stopped being a little bit too obsessed about losing more. You know, I, I started okay. eating, you know, enjoying food a bit more and stuff like that. Because, you know, you do learn how to listen to your body after. You do. You, know. <laughs> you feel the difference when you eat. You know, for example, I've noticed after a meal, I feel warmer. I actually feel that thermogenesis effect. But I never Me too. When, I never noticed that when I was eating three times a day. It's really interesting, isn't it? I actually notice it a lot. And especially if I've had, you know, more carbs or alcohol or sugar, then I really feel my body crank up. Like, like I will get hot. And I'm like, oop, I think I had too many. But my body cranks up to deal with it, you know, which is the whole, um, you know, how Jason Fung always talks about calories in, calories out, and how it's flawed because you can't control calories out. Your body controls calories out. That's right, yeah. So every time I feel my body crank up the heat after eating a meal full of carbs or sugar or more alcohol than usual and I'm so hot, I'm like, there's my body cranking it up. Like I can really feel it. Switching gears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that calories out is is burning up, but it makes me feel happy that my body, you know, and I think that's one reason it helps us to stay at our um, you know, at a weight that our body likes. Like my body is happy in this range. I've been maintaining for 7 years, and my body can turn up that burn if it wants to. It's fun to feel. And I also know that if a uh... Uh, for example, I gained another like five or six pounds. Uh, we went for, to Paris for a week and we were indulging a bit more and I was having a bit more breakfast. And But then I knew when I got back to Brussels that I would just go back to my normal thing. And, and now they're gone. Those those additional five, six pounds are gone. You know, and it was just easy peasy, later. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not an issue. And I knew, I know it's not an issue. But besides that, I want to say, you know, we talk about the non-scale victories and, uh, well, just one incident that happened to me, I was listening to a podcast and somebody mentioned that their skin tags had disappeared. And I had skin tags on my neck and uh, under my chest and, and my, particularly my armpits. But it wasn't a part of, you know, I didn't go check on them regularly. And I ran to the mirror and I just, they were all gone. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Because you weren't even like expecting them to go. A lot no, of people don't uh, realize that they're related to insulin resistance. Yes, uh, I must have had insulin resistance. Definitely. Did you? Were you struggling with, I know you said your cardiologist recommended losing 20 to 25 pounds. You said you had a bit of a belly. So you were feeling it like in your trunk, in your belly region. That, that was. I think other people noticed it more than me. Okay. I mean, I knew I knew I had a bit of a belly, but I, I certainly didn't think I needed to, to lose that much weight. No, I did not. And plus, I go to the gym. I'm 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 a I'm a fairly big guy with you know, and my shoulders were still I think a little bit broader than my belly. So you know, <laughs> other people noticed it. I didn't. But I bet with the um, I bet it was visceral fat, you know, packed in there was, around your definitely. abdomen. And that's and the worst so kind. It is, and that's also another sign of insulin resistance. So anybody who has that visceral fat and also skin tags. That really is a sign that your body is dealing with the excess insulin. So having those skin tags drop off just shows you've corrected the whole thing, which I know and feels I've, wonderful. Yeah. And I've also been able to cut down on my medication for my high blood pressure. I, I still take some medication, but nothing like I used to. And I've had a successful operation to cure my arrhythmias. So that's another huge load off my life, you know. So you would say... Your health is like completely normal now. Like you're well, healthy. I'm a 65-year-old man. You know, I've got five grandkids. I've got, you know, I've, I've just recently retired. I think for you know, somebody in my position, I'm feeling pretty great. 
Well, I would never. I can see you, and I would never guess you were sixty-five. So. <laughs> oh well, yes, <laughs> I mean, for real, I wouldn't. So that's pretty. But exciting. To, to tell tell the honest truth, Jen, uh, I think I felt older twenty years ago when I was going when I had the I had atrial fibrillation. Uh, I had all kinds of health issues, uh, high blood pressure, totally stressed out, working too much, you know. Uh, and now that's all gone. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I feel, I would say the same thing. Mm -hmm. I feel better now than I did 20 years ago. And and that's saying a lot, you know, because 20 years ago, I was, what, 32. So I was not feeling my best at 32. Of course, I had two little kids at the time. (laughs) But (laughs) that was when I really started struggling with my weight was was then, probably probably 20 years ago after having the kids. And then, you know, because, you know, my... um, my youngest is 22 now. So that would really be it. You know, after having my second child, my weight really became a problem. I struggled to lose it. And that was really when I just was not feeling, feeling good. So yeah, better than 20 and, years ago. That's, that's very exciting. And, you know, just an idea. This is just me. I have no idea if this is any basis in science at all. But um, intermittent fasting seems to work really well, really fast for most men. And some women, mm-hmm. it doesn't show up right away, the results. And I have this gut feeling, well, first of all, nature doesn't want us to lose weight because it's our insurance policy against the next famine, you know, except there never is a famine. And I think that women probably struggle a bit more because, first of all, the huge upheaval of childbirth. But also, I think a woman's body doesn't want to lose too much weight in case she gets pregnant. You know, does that make sense at all? I mean, It does make sense, yeah. I think that nature has, you know, some kind of logic to it. And uh, that's not something that we have to particularly worry about. That is very true. A woman's body is a lot more sensitive to restriction. And and it makes sense that our bodies would be wise enough to know that, oh, we're, we're dieting, we're restricting too mm-hmm. much, we better slow down that metabolic rate because we, we don't want to lose the weight just in case we need it. That makes yeah. total sense. There's actually a book that just came out. I haven't read it yet or it's about to come out. Melanie was talking about it on the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Um, it's like nature wants you to be fat or something. That's like the name of it. <laughs> I haven't read it. I, yeah, that might not be the exact title of it, but it's something along the lines of nature wants you to be fat. Yeah, yeah. So you, you need to fool your body that there, there's actually no food around so, so that you, know, you lose weight. <laughs> right, exactly. So, But that's the beauty of intermittent fasting because – Mm-hmm. Our body has no choice but to tap into those fat stores. Mm-hmm, exactly. 
And uh, I want to say, you, your name of your book, Delay Don't Deny, as I said, totally resonated with me. And I know it's been translated into Italian here. That's my language fixation. Have, have you had any other offers for uh, translations or in the pipeline? Well, I don't, I don't think Delay Don't Deny is in Italian, but Fast Feast Repeat oh, is. Oh, Fast Feast Repeat is, okay. Yeah, Fast Feast Repeat is in Italian. I have actually lost track of which books are in which language because oh, really? I'll get like a, yes, and it, there's a lot going on with that. Like I have the, um, my literary agency has a foreign rights team mm-hmm. and I'll get an email and sometimes they're, they're selling Delayed on Deny and sometimes it's Fast Feast Repeat. Because here's a little interesting thing about the way the publishing industry works. This will interest you as someone who speaks a lot of languages. Um, like when I wrote Fast Feast Repeat, my publisher, St. Martin's Press, only bought the English rights. Oh, right. Yeah. So, right. So I retain all the other rights. So when like an Italian publisher wants to publish it, they deal with me, to, you know, my, my agency directly. And so like St. Martin's has nothing to do with it. So I know that Delay Don't Deny is coming out in, I don't know, South Korean at some point. That's been in the oh, works for a long time. I don't know where that <laughs> one's gone, but. Something's coming in German. I can't remember which one. And, oh, Fast Feast Repeat is going to be in Chinese. Wow. Which has really (laughs) great potential. I don't know (laughs) how it'll take off there. But that could be huge. Or not. I don't know. Do you watch um, Seinfeld? Are you a Seinfeld fan? I never really. I didn't own a television when Seinfeld was Okay. (laughs) The reason I I brought that up is because there was an episode of of Seinfeld where Jerry had his show was in Korea or somewhere, some Asian country, and he kept getting royalty checks for like 30 cents or something. They were like, (laughs) he got a million checks, but they were all for like 10 cents or something. So I don't really know. Thanks a lot. (laughs) That could happen. Like it's all a lot and I might make 30 cents. I don't know. But. Anyway, it's it's interesting to see it coming out in a lot of different languages. Well, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and do you, do you get checks coming in the mail as well? Well, they don't come in the mail; <laughs> they just deposit them directly. <laughs> but oh, it's really the way it works is foreign rights. They don't they don't give you very much. So I'd be like, well, we'll give you one thousand dollars for the Italian rights, and I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but then you get, um, you know, if they sell a lot, you get royalties. But that happens down the line, so. <laughs> But you okay, never really well, know. I wish you the best because, it, well, for, first of all, the title is fantastic, both, both books, in fact. And uh, talking about Jason Fung, uh, quite honestly, somebody with my profile, if I had seen the obesity code or, you know, even the cancer code, or I wouldn't have felt interested because it, I didn't consider myself obese and I wasn't particularly concerned about cancer. So it's a shame because I think his content is about a lot more than that and should be reaching out to a, a wider public. And um, I, because of the titles, I think uh, maybe, he, you know, I, I would That's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. I never thought of that before, but you're right. See, for me, mm-hmm. I was always very focused on obesity because, I mean, I was obese yeah. at one point. But yeah. um, you're right because a lot of people, they're like, well, I'm not obese. I don't need to read that. Yeah. Yeah, titles are powerful. Well, I'm glad that Delay Don't Deny resonated with you because it really, that's the the key to me is, you know, losing that diet mentality, feeling like I can't have something. (laughs) You know, like as soon as I told myself I couldn't have something, like I was, that's all I wanted. Like if I was doing low carb, all I want is carbs. If I'm doing low fat, I really want some fat, but (laughs) I don't want to deny. Another thing I want to talk to you about is... uh, this appetite correction thing. Right. Because uh, as a kid, I ate junk. I mean, uh, do you remember Tang? Are you... Uh, oh, yes. My does grandmother, it still exist? Tell me it doesn't exist anymore. You know, I bet it does. I don't really know. My <laughs> grandmother always had Tang. My grandmother, I loved loved my grandmother so much, but she had literally all those things. She had Tang. She always had you know, like saccharin in the tea. She drank Jello. tab. She yeah. jello, but sugar free. <laughs> she had fresca. Do you remember all those? I do. I oh, do. Sanka. Do you remember Sanka? Yeah. Yeah. Sanka was like it, decaf instant coffee or something. <laughs> <laughs> Dream well, anyway, She had all and, that. Anyway, Go Tang ahead. for international yeah. audiences is just basically uh, dyed corn syrup with uh, industrial produced vitamin C. 
And they told us on TV that this is the stuff that the it's better than orange juice because it has more vitamin C. And uh, we all believed it and drank it. Well, you know what else they told us? They told us the astronauts were drinking it. Remember that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do. I do. (laughs) And I believed it. (laughs) (laughs) So what were Uh, were you going to tell me about appetite correction in general? Well, just the, uh, I had a little kid's appetite well into adult age, you know, left to my own devices. I would eat, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers and pizzas, uh, French fries. Fortunately, I have a fantastic French wife who is a miracle worker in the kitchen and she can cook anything. We, we can go to a restaurant, uh, a, a Thai restaurant or whatever, and she will just make it. She has this instinct. She knows what to buy and she'll just make it. She doesn't ever use recipes. And uh, so I'm pretty, and so I eat a lot healthier than I would if I were off to my own devices and quite well as well. So that that makes it easier to eat up the vegetables. And since I've started fasting, I found it easier to eat more vegetables. I find myself eating more salads, uh, more soups. There are still some vegetables I find difficult, but uh, I found workarounds. For example, uh, occasionally I'll make a smoothie with a with broccoli, you know, mix it with apple juice, and uh, that's palatable to me, you know. Yeah, I struggled with, uh, you know, getting in enough vegetables. And would you say that thanks to fasting, like the fasting really helped your palate open up to to have more vegetables and, and to enjoy them? I, I think I do, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. My, my tastes have shifted. Uh, and another thing, too, I learned about the importance of electrolytes, Magnesium, okay, potassium. talk about that a little bit. Well, because particularly since I had a heart problems, I realized that uh, magnesium, as we know, is the relaxation electrolyte. It helps the blood vessels relax and therefore lower blood pressure, which if I had been taking more magnesium before, I wonder if I would have had, had so many heart problems and, and also potassium. And that's partly because I wasn't eating enough vegetables, probably. And also because our soil that we grow our crops in is depleted in magnesium and potassium because of uh, over farming. Uh, so anyway, you know, it's, it's really worth getting your blood checked to, to see if you have a deficiency and to correct it if, if you do. So and did I know you there do are a lot that? of did people you... out there. I know, I know heart. Did you oh, get yeah. your blood checked? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but at, I was already supplementing when I did that. So everything was more or less normal. I just had okay. maybe low vitamin D, which in COVID times is not a good thing. So, you know. That's true. But I do follow <laughs> that. So you got your blood checked and you found out that you, you were fine because you'd already been taking some electrolyte supplementation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the pink Himalayan salt, first of mm-hmm. all, which was a recommendation for all people who fast. And I didn't even know it existed. And I was amazed when I saw it in the shops because, you know, I just never noticed it before. And that definitely helped. Once I found online uh, specific fasting salts that had like Mm -hmm. all of the electrolytes you needed. And that was a really, really good product. Uh, But you can't just buy that kind of stuff off the shelf here, unfortunately. No, you can't. And it's interesting to note, I have never taken electrolytes during the fast, but I do drink mineral water. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. Like I've never felt that, that my, you know, I needed electrolytes, but a lot of people do. And were you having any, before you started um, including the electrolytes, were you having any sort of symptoms that would have indicated that you needed them? Or you just heard a lot of people took them, so you thought, I'll try that and see? A bit of both. I mean, uh, I work out a lot, and I also, uh, after a workout, I often go to the sauna, so I'm losing a lot of body liquids. And uh, I would occasionally get cramps in the the muscles, the leg muscles, and and now I know that's potassium most of the time. That's true. Yeah, definitely for anyone who's listening, if you're finding, you know, some of the things that would indicate that you do need um, some sort of electrolyte supplementation would be, like you just said, um, Brian, cramps, definitely, or headaches, if you're starting to get headaches, or if you're definitely, if you are sweating a lot, so sauna use would be a, a good indication, or if you're really, this might seem counterintuitive to a lot of people, if you're drinking a whole lot of water. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, well, drinking water is great. We're supposed to, but not if you're fasting. If you drink too much water, it can, quote, you know, like flush out you know, your electrolytes to a degree that you would need more. So that was, would be when supplementation is necessary. So I don't want people to assume that just because you're fasting that you necessarily do need electrolytes. 
but you might. But it's, it's good to check. It is definitely good to check. And you can have, you can have that done. Um, I just had a hair test recently. I had um, Barton Scott came on my podcast um, a while back. It hasn't aired yet as of today when we're recording. But by the time your episode comes out, it will have aired. And he did, um, his company does hair tests and they can check your minerals. And so, um, you know, my magnesium was really high, which didn't surprise me because <laughs> I, I take magnesium every day. But that was, that was fascinating to see. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if, you, if your hair test indicates that you're low, then you definitely would know, oop, need to do a little supplementing. <laughs> but you noticed that you felt better after you did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so, so much has changed. Uh... Uh, what else? Uh, I found myself uh, when I was uh, not eating in the evening. I found myself going to bed earlier, mm-hmm. just to cope with it, and uh, sleeping better as a result. And sometimes even waking up before the alarm went off. You know, uh, so uh, I think uh, there are a lot of you know secondary effects uh, that you don't expect uh, when you start doing making right choices for your body. That's true. So. Um, when you switched your eating window, like when you were, uh, when you were not eating at night, when you were skipping dinner, mm-hmm. you would wake up really early, and yeah. and so now that you've switched, that makes sense though, because you're you know maybe going into the ketosis and it's waking you up in the morning, yeah. versus now how how has that affected your sleep now that you are waiting till later? Because your your normal window now is when the timing. Well, it depends on my work schedule or what I'm doing okay. that day. But um, I normally eat at around one one thirty. Okay. The first meal. And, and would you say that most days you have two meals? Yeah, almost always. Uh, I was doing, as I said, OMAD for about a year, uh, once mm-hmm. or twice a week. But I haven't in a long time. I haven't felt the need. But I know I know that I could if I needed to any time. Like if you found that you were regaining weight, for example, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you could go back to one meal a day and just try that and, and do that for a while or just pop it in a couple days a week. Yeah. That's the beauty of it, right? Right, exactly. The flexibility, but, the freedom. But now you're pretty much two meals a day. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty that much like sense. a 17-hour window on average, I think. The set, like a 17-hour mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. So fast you're very day. similar probably to Chad. Chad mm-hmm. is more like the 16-8 ish. Honestly, though, a lot of days he probably only has a seven hour eating window because he he'll be done. And, you know, sometimes I get I think I'm going to have lunch and then something comes up and I get uh, busy and I realize, oh, two two more hours have passed by, but it hasn't been an issue. I just you know haven't been able to eat for whatever reason, you know. And it's no big deal. It just, no, you no just big deal. roll with it. That's the best part of it. I remember back in the day, always, you know, feeling like I was going to be panicked if I wasn't going to have time to eat, you know, like thinking I needed to, you know, pack a snack or have something ready. But now it's like, oh, well, it's going to be another hour. No big deal. I can wait an hour. Well, particularly in the morning when I get up, I used to have to wake up two hours before I went out the front door because I had all this, what am I going to eat, prepare it. and And now I just basically, you know, can walk out the door. That's fantastic. You don't even have to worry about it. It saves you a lot of time in the morning. It's so let's does. talk about um, about your wife. Does she do intermittent fasting at all? Uh, she, well, my wife actually did it. Uh, the, when I talked about the detox fasting, she did it mm-hmm. more than I did. She actually went on two retreats uh, where uh, she was hiking, and uh, they fasted for almost a week. And when she wow. came back, she looked great, absolutely great. And uh, she also did, uh, when I first started, she did it with me. But was disappointed by the results. Okay, so she she started but didn't didn't enjoy the the no, daily. No. Okay, well that you know uh, not everybody's going to feel and and if especially if she didn't need to lose any weight whatever then no. it might not be right for her. And everybody's different. Exactly. So have you um, influenced anyone around you to begin intermittent fasting? Do you talk about it with others? I think I have. I actually have a podcast that people listen to, and some people have said they've started uh, because I told them about it. But I found out just uh, through the grapevine that uh, many of my colleagues were also fasting. In fact, uh, there was one day I walked into the booth in in the pre-COVID times. There were three of us in the English booth, and uh, both of my colleagues were fasting at the same time as me. 
That's fun. And now, were you the person who introduced them to fasting, or were they no, it just coincidentally y'all were all okay? No. You just coincidentally were all doing it. Isn't that amazing? Well, it really is, and it just goes to show how times have changed. Because you know, years ago, um, when we started fasting, no one had really heard of it much. They weren't doing it. You would say, "I'm doing intermittent fasting." They're like, "What's that?" <laughs> <laughs> Are you starving yourself? No, People exactly. didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and now I, I have so many friends who just say, "Well, uh, okay, I just have a tiny, tiny little bit. It's uh, you know, I don't, I don't need to fast. To, it's not healthy, right. you know. And anyway, I'm just having a little bowl of soup and a yogurt anyway. Uh, <laughs> and, you, know, you just you just can't convince them otherwise." That's true. You're exactly right. But but I th- I find that when people are ready to hear it, they're ready. Yeah, you know, like when when they're ready, they're 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 listening and they um their minds are open to it. You know, a lot of people who at the beginning thought I was crazy came back later and their minds were open to it. And that's did when you, you started feel, in 2014, 2014, wasn't it? I did. I started dabbling with intermittent fasting in two thousand nine. Oh, but right. that was before we really knew that it was a lifestyle or that it had benefits beyond just allowing you to eat fewer calories. Because we really did, this is before the obesity code, everything that was written about intermittent fasting was through the lens of, and you will eat fewer calories, and that is why it works. And and it wasn't until I read the obesity code. Actually, that's not true, because I had read some of Jason Fung's blog posts. So when he had all, all of his blog posts that he was putting out into the world, and as I started, I remember when I first found his blog posts, and it was well before the obesity code, but I was just like, I think I stayed up like hours past my bedtime one night, just following oh. along from one to the next and down the rabbit hole of all the Jason Fung blog posts. And it was like, what? You know, because he was saying things about calories and why why we were gaining weight, and it just kept you know, blowing my mind. But prior to, prior to reading him, of course, we all were thinking it's just the you know calories in, calories out. We're eating fewer calories thanks to fasting. And he really put it all together for me because also, you know, I had read all the low-carb stuff. You know, and the low-carb community was talking about insulin causing you to, to store fat and, and why low-carb was working for you because it got your insulin down sort of thing. So it really was putting it all together. So, oh, fasting lowers your insulin, just like low-carb, but even more because <laughs> you're, you're not eating at all. You're so not eating it, it finally you're eating nothing. You're definitely not eating carbs, <laughs> but you know, you're, you're having nothing. So the fact that you know, fasting lowered your insulin was just mind blowing. And that, that, oh, you're getting, you know, some of these things that cause low carb to work for you. Fasting does that, but even more. And so it all started to make sense. And then it was like, okay, it's not just about your calories in, calories out. And our bodies, you know, really rely on what the hormonal signals are. And that was uh, the missing piece, you know, I think that so many of us didn't, didn't have the understanding of even probably to, you know to this day a lot of doctors still have that as the missing piece yeah well i have a new younger doctor now and she it was fantastic because uh, i explained to her she's a uh, half belgian half indian and uh, always on the internet while i'm talking to her and uh, really really trusted compared to my other doctor i would don't think read any medical books since he graduated from medical school and when i told her she was fasting i was a bit afraid she would uh, react badly and she says well no wonder your health is improving and then she said you know, i love we, that we, we indians we know all about fasting anyway but you know we i try not to bring it up too often but uh, you know that's no surprise to me whatsoever yeah I, I love that because um you know a lot of people tell us that they're afraid to discuss it with their doctor mm-hmm. because they're afraid that their doctor will give them pushback and and it does happen someone in the community um just yesterday had just come back from a meeting with her nurse practitioner and her nurse practitioner, I mean, she had her A1C was now in the normal range or something and it had been high and now it was normal and her weight was down like 40 pounds and she was talking to her nurse practitioner and, and it was a new nurse practitioner and she was like, yes, I'm doing intermittent fasting. And instead of, you know, saying, wow, it's really working, the nurse practitioner said, oh, that doesn't work. 
And the, <laughs> she was so discouraged because she's like, well, wait a minute, my A1C is down. My weight is down. What do you mean it doesn't work? And the nurse practitioner was like, nope, it doesn't work. And, and that was just very discouraging. So, uh, you know, people are worried that their medical professional is going to tell them something like that. Well, they, they only know what they were taught in medical school. Right. You know, I don't know right. if, you, if you follow Dr. Mark Hyman at all. Sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. I, I quite like his uh, podcast and his approach. And uh, he, you know, he was there. He was a conventional doctor. And he says, we didn't learn about nutrition in school. You know, I think maybe 30 minutes of my entire years of uh, medical studies. And uh, I, uh, he's a good source. Uh, you know, he's, he's also got an interesting uh, podcast. But uh, I think he's a good source of information. His number one premise is eat real food, right, yeah. when it comes to what you're eating. Yeah. Yeah, he's a real food guy. Yeah, I think I saw – I think he had a – yes, food is medicine. Yep, yep, that's what I thought. It's been a while since I've looked at any of his stuff, but that's what I remember. I think he had a um, maybe a PBS special. You know, where they, they he had a PBS special about his book, and it was about, I think, food being medicine. So I only know him from this podcast. Okay, yeah. What's the name of his podcast? I'm trying to remember. The Natural Pharmacy, but pharmacy written with an F. That's it. I, I knew it was something like that. Yeah, definitely. That's what I had in my mind. So, yeah. What is your podcast about? Well, it's a basically during the, the confinement, I got really, really bored and I started to nerd out on the science of, well, inspired by fasting, but also the science of longevity. Okay. Uh, and I realized, well, there's a lot of information out there. And when I make uh, recommendations to people to listen to podcasts, most podcasts are an hour or longer and people just don't have the time. So I decided to make, I started in French uh, to make something that would just digest some of the information and mix it with a bit of music, try to make it light. And I struggled a bit with the formula, but uh, it's it's called, in French it started, but uh, I now do it also in English. It's called Slowing Down the Inevitable Embarrassment of Growing Old. It's all about the, not just the recent medical breakthroughs that we know in longevity, epigenetics, uh, you know, uh, fasting, things like that, but also the ancient practices like uh, yoga and breathing exercises, things that you can do naturally that we used to know instinctively to lower blood pressure, to calm us down, basically put the information out there in short, shorter chunks. Uh, and I have a little following. I've, you know, I have people in 50 different countries who have listened to me, you know, but, uh, I started it during the confinement. Tell listeners again one more time the how to find the name of it in English. In English, if you, you go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it's on all of the platforms. It's called Slowing Down the Inevitable Embarrassment of Growing Old. I know that's a mouthful, but... Uh, I like it. Say it in French <laughs> for us. What, what's it called in French? Ralentissons l'inévitable outrance. See, everything is beautiful in French. <laughs> it really is. When I, I was in college, well, it is beautiful in French. When I was in college, I um we had to take I was at Wake Forest and we had to take a foreign language all the way through the literature stage. Yeah. And I took Latin in high school. So I had never taken a foreign language that you know is obviously still spoken. So I was like, I'll take French. I took ballet. That'll be easy. Wrong. So I started. <laughs> You know, we, we have, as as an educator, you know, I learned all about how we learn. And children have, you know, that part of the brain that, that is for learning languages, and it actually turns off after a certain point, they say. Well, mine was definitely turned off by the time I went to college. And so I had to start with French 1, the beginner, baby French, and then um, intermediate French. That was the only college class that I failed. I failed oh, no. intermediate French. I just I, I had to take it again. But then I had to take French literature, which is like if you're taking an English class, but now everything's in French. Your teacher's talking in French. The books are in French. I was so over my head. But I can remember our our professor, when he would talk to us in French, it sounded so beautiful. And then when he would talk in English, he had like the thickest Southern accent you've ever oh, heard. Really? Yes. So he sounded like, you know, a southern hillbilly kind of, but he was like, 
talking French and it was beautiful. Then he'd be like, now it's time for you to. And I'm like, it was just hilarious, the difference in his voice between French and English. Let's face it. People have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements, so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect defend and save what you believe in every single day so what makes a life a good one In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Speaking of accents, that's one of the reasons I really like your podcast. But to to hear your accent, it just sounds like the Georgian sun. Well, thank you. That makes (laughs) me happy. (laughs) Because I can't speak in any other way. This is the way I talk. But... (laughs) And for a Southerner to notice that someone else had a really thick Southern accent, he was probably, I don't know, I don't know where he was from, somewhere. We like to make fun of Alabama. Maybe he's from Alabama. Sorry, people who live in Alabama. I love you, Sherry. Don't get mad. <laughs> she's a good friend of mine. She lives in, she's not from Alabama, but she lives in Alabama. So she's, she doesn't have an Alabama accent. But, you know, sometimes here in the South, we like to pick fun at other Southern states, and that's okay. They're probably over there making fun of Georgia, too. So. <laughs> well, the French like to make fun of Belgian French as well. You know, right. You know, it's yeah, part of the human condition. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, in Belgium, we have the uh, French fries are not French. They're Belgian. I saw a TV show about that where they actually yeah. went into the origins of, of fries. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're from here. And we also have the best chocolate and the best beer and the best muscles and uh, you name it. It's a, it's, it's a nice place to live. Well, I would love to visit one day. I've never been to Europe, but one day I'd like to like to head over there. Oh, never been, so, no. no, I've never been to Europe. My son and his wife have been. They when they, they got engaged in Venice and so they were did all the, the Europe trip and that was right before COVID. It was um summer of twenty nineteen. They both graduated from Georgia Tech. And ended up going um, all, they were on a cruise ship, and then they went all around everywhere. So they spent several weeks in Europe and just loved it. But Venice is where they got engaged. And they plan to go back this spring. But, you know, of course, well, with COVID and everything, there hasn't well, been a lot. like cruises. You could organize a cruise at some stage. Well, that would be fun. A cruise around Europe would be really fun. I want to talk to you. I want to dig back into some of the stuff from your podcast. What are some of the things that you've implemented for longevity? besides the intermittent fasting that you do because, you know, the science of longevity has convinced you to do them? I've learned how to take cold showers. Melanie would be proud. <laughs> I don't <laughs> stay for long, but, uh, and I had to force myself, you know, and uh, every time I did it, I would just say, uh, David Asbury's a jerk, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what he tells you to say because, right, because right. it's not it's not fun. Uh, and then I, I go pretty fast back to the rewarding hot shower. Uh, but uh, that's something I deliberately did based on the information I learned in podcasts. So, uh, I started paying more attention to my sleep. Mm-hmm. Sleep you know, is so I, I important. I think sleep was a, a waste of time. You know, and of course it's not. It's when your your brain rejuvenates, and, and it's probably the number one biohack. You know, getting a good night's sleep. That's true. And, it, you know, if it's free, if you can manage it, you know. Uh, what else have I done? I've improved my eating. You mentioned sauna. 
Yasona. I also started doing yoga. I did yoga once ages ago with an instructor, and I, I was the worst in the class. I was really, really bad at it. I, I was just so embarrassed uh, and you know sweaty and feeling ridiculous that I never went back. But when the confinement came, my wife and I, we started doing it in front of the TV. And I was bad at it uh, at first, but I got fairly good at it. And so now I do, I wouldn't say I do a proper yoga routine, but I often am uh, doing sauna poses during the course of the day and my balance is improved. Yep. That makes sense because it just, you know, it's, it's just, you can take a minute and just do a yoga pose. Yeah, exactly. So just practice that balance, you know, when nobody's looking while you're waiting for the bus or whatever. <laughs> now you mentioned that you, you were, you used to do more outside exercise. Do you still do anything like that? Cycling, did you say? Uh, well, now that the winter's been here, uh, I haven't been doing as much, and I much prefer going to the nice, cozy gym. But uh, when the <laughs> gyms are closed, that's, you know, I was outdoors. I love being outdoors, and particularly in the summer. I have to say during confinement, on average, two hours a day, I was outdoors. Either okay, walking yeah. or on my bike. It's really nice to get outside the fresh air. It just makes a huge difference. And we're lucky here in Brussels. It's, it's a city. It's a capital. But it's got a lot of green, a lot of green parks. That, that is lucky. So is there anything that you struggle with in your intermittent fasting lifestyle? My biggest uh, struggle, I'd say, I would say trying to glimpse the beers. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. It's wine you know, for me. Yeah, I know. For me, it's beer. Uh, you know, wine more in the south of France. But, uh, you know, be- beer is a typical Belgian product. Uh, it's just everywhere. And uh, I really like it. They don't call it a beer gut for nothing. Well, that's true. And I I would imagine that you have, I mean, is it like something that's with like every dinner or is that just expected in Belgium, right? Or not? It is. It It is is. more or less. You know, it's an after dinner, after work thing. It's, uh, you know, you can't have a meal without a glass of wine. Uh, uh, That's very much part of the culture. Yep, I get it. And, you know, that circles back to what you've talked about earlier, sleep. You know, realizing Mm -hmm. that, wine affected my sleep negatively was really sad. And I think that had to do with, of course, the menopausal transition for me, because when women's hormones change, it becomes harder for us to sleep because those those hormones really help us sleep. So realizing that, okay, if I'm going to get good sleep, I can't drink wine every night. Because when I wrote Delayed on Deny, I really was having a glass of Prosecco every night. And I was sleeping great. I wasn't struggling with my sleep. But along with that menopausal transition and the changes in my hormones, here came the not being able to sleep. So, yeah, I struggle with the same thing that you do because I really, I love to drink. I would love to have a glass of bubbly every night still. And I can't. I find kombucha is a good substitute. It it almost seems like you're having a glass of wine. You know, you're right. And I will put it in a wine glass. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do that frequently. I was with a friend. We went, were at the beach last weekend, and we went out to a place that had beautiful cheeses, and we were having, like, you know, opening our windows. She's also an intermittent faster, and the, the place had some wonderful kombuchas. So they brought her something in a wine glass, and mine was in a tumbler. And I was like, I want a wine glass, too. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I had yeah, one, too. too. So it, just, it felt fancy. Mm-hmm. And I have a question for you, Jen. Okay. Um, I don't think I've ever heard you mention longer fasts. Uh, have you ever done a longer fast? That is a great question. And the longest fast I've ever done was 82 hours or 84 hours or something oh, like that's that. That's long, yeah. Yeah, that was, it was, of course, back before I understood everything that I understand now about how you know, the, the study that really convinced me that you don't want to do really long fasts for weight loss, I was like, oh, <laughs> when I saw the study about what happened to our metabolic rate over the 72-hour fasts that they were yeah, okay. they were tracking people. And so the metabolic rate went up during the first part of the 72-hour the fast, then it reached a peak, and then it was on a downward traje- trajectory as they were in the second part of the 72-hour fast. And so that made me realize, oh, if you do keep fasting, then, okay, your meta- your metabolism could really slow because nothing's coming in. But I had I didn't understand any of that. So 
Mm-hmm. I can remember, I think it was when I was getting close to close to a goal weight, but not quite there. I was like, I'll just fast it off. I'll fast for 21 days, and if that's what it takes. And oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I made it for 84, and I'm like, okay, well, no. No, my body told me to eat. In the days of the Soviet Union and in Germany and Switzerland, there was actually a medical practice of putting people, uh, prescribing long fasts in retreats very often, right. spas in the middle of nature, and they would go on these incredibly long fasts, They're just insane stuff. And uh, But I don't think that caught on anywhere else. No, and there's a... I'm aware. There's an Amazon um, program. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's the science of fasting. And they do talk about the longer fasts for health purposes, and they go to, like, fasting retreats, like you were saying, but they're medically supervised, which is why I have – I always believe if you're going to do a fast beyond 72 hours, you should be medically supervised. And now I understand why. You know, obviously, there are many years that I didn't know what I was doing, and I hadn't read about things. And One thing that really struck me about the longer fasts is having the community on Facebook for all those years and watching people, you know, before we really knew, they would try the longer fasts because there, you know, were some communities that were doing really long fasts, like 21 days or 28 days, and people would would try that. Well, they they would do it. And the people who were successful with going for 21 days or 28 days those people would find that when they started eating again, their bodies would, they would have so much binge behavior. And obviously, we know now that from, you know, the Minnesota starvation experiments, we knew that way back then, that when you overly restrict, your body sends you binge behavior because your body is feeling panicked. And so when I, when I read about all of that, it really made sense why the people who had done the really long fasts then started struggling with binge behavior. And it was very sad to watch because they then felt weak and they blamed themselves. They're like, I'm so weak. I can't stop eating. What's wrong with me? And really, it was biological. You know, their bodies were driving them to eat. Yeah, fasting is a stress. Yeah, and they overdid it. David Sinclair has a new podcast out. I don't know if you've heard that. But he uses a term called adversity mimicking. And he calls fasting and sauna and lots of these longevity practices, what they all have in common is that they're imposing adversity of some form right. on the body or forcing the body to think it's going through adverse times. Those are hormetic stresses, I believe, is another word yes, for them. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and those are good. But there comes a point where if you push past too it, much. suddenly yeah. it's too much. Exactly. And so that, that really informed my belief about the longer fasts. And then I read um, Joel Furman has a book about the healing power of fasting, and he talks about how he would work with patients and have them fast for you know, a long period of time in a, in a controlled setting. But he said, when you're done, your metabolism will have been slowed, and so you're going to have to refeed and know that you might have rapid weight gain. So that was also you know, a bell that went off in my head. So you, know, there, you can definitely overdo it. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, or what do you wish you knew when you first started? When I first started, I wish I had known that um, I could have skipped breakfast on the weekends instead of skipped dinner in the evenings. I, I, that didn't even occur to me, but you know that would have been another probably easier. But stick it out because for me, it would like I say, doing it four times a week. It took me six months to really feel that change. And if you're not feeling it right away, it's because your body's doing other stuff. Your body's, you know, fixing imbalances or whatever. But what's six months in your life? You know, give it a try. Exactly. That's great advice. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thank you for having me. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at 
hello at resonaterecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win two hundred million dollars. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The GOAT. Stream free on Amazon Freeview or Prime Video.